All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. song tim there's a black fly in my chardonnay who sings it uh the tragically hip no it's alanis morissette isn't it ironic how is that your favorite song there no there's a black fly buzzing around me right now and i just it just thought of that lyric black fly in my chardonnay death row pardon two minutes too late isn't it ironic one of the classic songs from Alanis Morissette, who arguably is, other than Celine Dion, Canada's songstress, so good. Do you know who that is, Alanis Morissette? I know the name. I don't think I can name any of her songs. or rec- I, don't, I might recognize them if I heard them, maybe, but oh, why would I know? Yeah, why would I know about her, though? Because she was a hit. She won, like, a ton of Grammys. She was a hit. I think her album was Jagged Little Pill. Does that Have ring you- a bell? Or is that a rapper? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. We're getting off track already, but there is a black fly buzzing around my head. So have we have we started the episode yet? Hey everybody, welcome to Dropping the Glove with John Scott. Thanks everybody for joining us. Really appreciate you coming in for the end of a week extravaganza. The hockey season is over. Everyone's excited. The Tampa Bay Lightning closed it out at home. The one nothing, just a barn burner of a game, Tim. Very exciting. Very exciting finish. The Bolts are happy. They're celebrating at home. It was just an epic game. What were your thoughts on game five, Tim? I'm dying to know. I don't think I've ever had like uh, less of an opinion on a hockey game. And I don't mean negative. I mean, I literally have no opinion on it. Like, this is boring. I don't care if they won again. I'm not really part of that, like, asterisk crowd where, like, it doesn't quite count because of COVID and the short season and the new divisions and all that. Like, obviously, it's the hardest trophy to win, regardless of circumstances. But honestly, I just don't care about it. I really, really don't. It is the most unremarkable back-to-back Stanley Cup champions I've I've ever come across because – I think the bubble did have something to do with it where people weren't as engaged as they were in years past. And this year, again, with the new divisions with, I think things just became a little monotonous where it was just like, Oh, we're playing the same teams again. And the rivalries didn't really kind of come to fruition. Like we thought, like we thought teams were going to hate playing each other by that third month. And there was just going to be so much animosity. It didn't really come to life. 
And it almost got to the point near the end of the season where I was like, golly, like I've played this team six, seven, eight times. I don't want to do it anymore. It was boring hockey. And I don't think it was as exciting as everyone, you know, hoping it was. And that being said, I, I agree. I, I don't think it was, it wasn't that exciting, you know, and just looking back at all the other championships where you followed teams throughout the season, maybe the fans not being able to attend games in some markets had, you know, something to do with this or whatever it is. The finals was unremarkable. There wasn't very many, you know, great games. It was kind of ho-hum. It was nice to see Montreal win one at home. It was nice to see the Coleman goal. It was just, it was the most, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to remember it. You know what I mean? Looking back, like, Tampa Bay won two in a row. It doesn't seem like they won two in a row. And it's very you know, hard to win two Stanley Cups in a row now. You know, when people say like at work, like, oh, this meeting could have just been an email. I saw a great tweet that was like, yeah, the Stanley Cup final could have been an email. <laughs> it, it, it's like- it pretty, it could have been. And it's too bad because, you know, Kucherov said it in his year end meeting. And we'll touch on that in a little bit, but he did say what, what struck me. One of his comments was he said, you guys better not us not, not let us win one cup because if we know, if we learn how to do this, then you're in trouble. And sure enough, Tampa Bay cruised through this season. They cruised through the playoffs. They really only had one challenging series. And that was, you know, the semifinals versus New York Islanders. And even that, I think they were in control for most of the series. They had a couple of hiccup games, but everybody kind of thought Tampa was going to win. I, I was hoping the Islanders were going to win, but you know, deep down, you know, Tampa was a better team and they, they cruised through the season. You know, the, the regular season was just a tune up for them. Gosh, they held out their best player the whole regular season just because they didn't have to play him. And Kucherov nailed. He's like, don't let us learn how to win. Don't let us have this feeling because once we get it, the rest of the league's in trouble because we are set up for success for a long time. And you look down the road, I don't think anyone's going to be able to knock them off the horse because they are set up for success for the coming years. And they got all the big dogs signed. They got like Kucherov assigned for a few more years. Stamkos assigned for a long time. They have some ugly contracts with Yanni Gordon and Tyler Johnson, but I don't want to, you know, alarm you during this playoff run. Tyler Johnson played pretty darn good. You know, maybe not $5 million a season good, but he played pretty darn good. They're going to have some do some work this offseason with Braden Point and Palat and try to get them signed. But they'll figure it out. They got Victor Hedman signed for a couple more years. They got Sergachev signed for a couple more years. Vasilevsky's not going anywhere. This is a dangerous team. And I just had some news coming in. It's it's a, Kucherov just got hurt, so he's going to miss all of the regular season next year. And he's going to come back again for play. And I'm just teasing, but... Tampa's going to be tough to beat him, honestly. Like, they have their top four D-men locked up. Top, Oh, they're going to sign Ruta again. He's He'll be back. But I don't see any reason why they're not in this position again next year. I don't know. Am I, am I crazy for saying that? It, did they have any cause for concern this season? It just seemed like it was very easy for them to win this second Stanley Cup. It did. I think that the biggest question is they have some like great role players that I, I don't know, like you said before, like when you win the cup, all the GMs want you, even if you're a fourth line or even if you're the sixth defenseman, that's kind of the case with like Barkley, Goudreau, Blake Coleman, both UFAs, 28, 29. This is their chance to cash in. I imagine they will. Um, even, I mean, they've won two cups and, and they know they could take a team friendly deal to do it again, but uh, you know, you only have so many chances to make your money in this league. So I got to think that both those two guys will take advantage of it. 
And David Savard, 30 years old, he's a UFA as well. I got to imagine that he's looking at the market and he's going to lock in a top four role, whether or not he's deserving of it, just because of the way that he plays and whether, and, you know, he won a cup, obviously, is a key part of that team. So someone's going to overpay him now. That's just the way it works every single year. Yeah, I, th- I think this might be a, a very different offseason as far as that regard, just because of the flat cap again. I, I think teams are going to be very stingy when it comes to giving out contracts. And guys like Gaudreau and Coleman and Ross Colton and these guys, they're not going to get the money that they think they're going to get. I-, I could see some team throwing a $2 million offer at Barkley Gaudreau. I think that would be fair for him. And I think he would be smart to stay in Tampa Bay for $1.5 or $2 million, you know? I, I just see when, when you're on a team that's successful, if you've made enough money, which these guys have Goody's made, you know, probably 10, 12, 15 million already in his career. What's giving up, you know, two or 3 million when you can stay on a team at Tampa Bay and win a couple more cups. Gosh, he's only made 4 million. So maybe he, he should maybe cash in, but there's something to be said about being on a successful team and just having fun. I don't know. I would take the money, but I'm just saying maybe he'll stay. But it's good for him. But what did you think of we? You and I had a little disagreement there. So after the cup, the players are celebrating, and they have to do these mandatory interviews. It just it just has to happen. Kucherov comes to the the podium, He's shirtless, looks like a bag of milk, doesn't look like an athlete whatsoever. You didn't like his his press conference. No, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. We never got into it because I wanted to save it for the show just because I wanted to know why you didn't like his press conference. What were the reasons? Air your grievances, Tim. Why don't you (laughs) like Nikita Kucherov? Well, it's not like I'm like diehard against this and it upset me or anything like that. And I know that like, the media, us included, everyone wants to like more personality out of these NHL players. They want more than these just black and white canned answers. And then when we get it, people don't like what they have to say. So I understand all that. And, and I, and I like that he's, you know, he's showing some emotion, excitement, all that. He just came across as a jerk though. I think, you know, his, I, I mean, he just won the cup. He's got a solid buzz going probably. And, and, you know, he's, he's feeling good. And I get all that, but it's just kind of like bringing in Montreal's fans. He made some comments about some of the other goalies and I just, it just didn't like, it just came across as a jerk, I think. And maybe just not the best way to, I don't know, win with, grace and humility that you saw other players do like there was a great I mean again this is kind of an extreme um you know well-framed picture but basically there was a side-by-side of Kucherov backwards hat at the podium no shirt you know knocking anyone he wanted to and then the same time there's a picture of Carey Price on the ice right after the loss obviously super upset and he's shaking the hands of the refs and the, the, the caption was basically like two sides of sportsmanship. Right. And maybe that's, a, you know, an extreme example, but that's kind of how I felt. And I just think Kucherov could have maybe showed a little bit more humility in those moments. Yeah. I think you're, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. I, the only thing were like, does he really not know Mark Andre Fleury's name? <laughs> you know, he calls him the Vegas goaltender. That's the one maybe was a slight shot across the bow of, of uh, the flower. But other than that, he's shooting from the hip. You know, if, if you're a player and you lose a game in Montreal, maybe that's why Tampa was a little upset when they went back to, to, to Tampa Bay after game four because, yeah, those fans were getting a little rowdy. It's like, pump the brakes, you guys. The series is three to one. Obviously, Kucherov noticed it. Obviously, all the players on Tampa Bay noticed it because if he's bringing it up in the press conference – 
I, without a doubt, guarantee you they're talking about it in the locker room as soon as the game over. They're talking about it on the plane, on the flight home. They're like, can you believe these fans, these guys thinking they just won the Stanley Cup? Like, you're down 3-1. to one. We're going to go home, and we're just going to pump you and win the Stanley Cup, and you guys are still cheering like you've done something. You haven't done anything. And the comment that I thought was interesting was like, your Stanley Cup was the, the round prior when you beat Vegas. Like, that's pretty eye-opening. That just gives you the mentality of Tampa Bay going into these finals. They knew they were going to win. They knew without a doubt that if they played their game, there's no way Montreal could beat them, which is just kind of – it's impressive. It's it's very dismissive of Kucherov saying that. Like, it's very cocky because, you know, players have – a pretty good memory. They're going to remember that next year when they go into Montreal, the fans are going to be all over him. I loved it. I, I think, like you said, the media is always asking these players to show their two personality, like let us in a little bit. Kucherov let him in and it was great. He's like, I don't care what anyone's going to say. The Montreal Canadiens fans were a joke. I feel like Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. He's played with them for close to a decade now. He doesn't get his due. I was surprised when I, I thought Vasilevsky won a Vesna. I really was shocked. I thought he won it a few years ago. The fact that he hasn't won it is very surprising to me. And I don't know. Which Did is, you? Yeah, go ahead. Because I don't think he should have won the Con Smythe this time. I think Kucherov should have won the Con Smythe because when you look at his run, it was historic in all like all aspects. The point total, the way he dominated games, the way he produced. Vasilevsky put up the shutouts, yeah, but goodness gracious, Kucherov just – he was head and shoulders above every, every other player on that ice. And because it's a total playoff thing, not just the finals, I feel like Vasilevsky did have some hiccups in those first few rounds. So I don't know. Maybe they were kind of making up for the Vesna. They were making up for last year, making up for a couple times where he should have had a, the individual accolades, like here, had the Conn Smythe. Because Kucherov had the Conn Smythe last year, if, if I'm – no, it was Hedman. Hedman, Kucherov yeah. didn't even win the Conn Oh, he's such a good teammate, honestly, this Kucherov. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd take him on my team any any day. He seems like just a stand-up guy. And he, I, I want- he doesn't talk about himself, pumping the tires of his goaltender, ripping the Montreal fans. He could have went up there and been like, listen, I got 30-plus points. I'm the man. I'm the Russian sniper. This is my time. This isn't Stamco. He, he pumps Stammers, you know, saying, you know, he, he played well. I'm glad to see him win. Like, he's just a great – never met the guy. I would love to share a beer with him. And he's just down in beer. See the guy came in, the, the team guy, and he was trying to hand him a, a bottle. And he's like, no, no, I want champagne. That's just a Bud Light. And he's like, guys, <laughs> give me some champagne, please. It was, I loved the, I watched the conf, press conference twice. I thought it was great. It was, it was perfect. Did you see that, uh, the story from Igor Larionov's son about the, the FaceTime call? I did not. Okay, so this is Igor Larionov the second, Igor's son, obviously. He tweeted out the other day, I think yesterday. I was at dinner with my dad yesterday, and he got a FaceTime call from a random number. He picks it up, and it's Nikita Kucherov with the Stanley Cup. This is the night they won. Kuch keeps shouting in Russian, and the translation is, you're my idol, thank you. Coolest thing I've ever witnessed. It's How the, sweet is that? It, and you don't like Kucherov? Uh, you're I didn't such, say I don't like Kucherov. You're such a hater. He looked like a jerk on that one press conference. He's a good player. I, I have no problem with him. You're so soft. You, he's <laughs> such you know a, what? It's kids these days. They don't understand. Well, go honestly, ahead. Do your thing. If you go get ahead. offended by that, like, give me I'm not break. offended. I just said we, I'm having a conversation. I just don't think I think he's a little bit of a jerk. That's all. You got thinner. I, I'm not losing sleep over Fritz. it. <laughs> crazy okay. but yeah you're entitled to your opinion everybody is it's fine 
but that's cool. That's a cool moment. I, I had one of those moments when after the cup, the, the, the Blackhawks won their cup in 2012, I want to say. I had just been traded. 13. They wanted the 13. So I was on the team 11 and 12. They had just won the cup. I get a call from Bickle, Crawford, um, Dunks. Everybody was – and they called me because I, I sent a text out saying, you know, congrats, you guys. Super happy for you. They were on the plane coming back from Philly, I believe it was. And they called me from the tarmac and they were just like, Johnny, like, oh, I wish you were here, buddy. And it was just, I was sitting in a hotel room somewhere. just like, I, I, I was, you know, a little upset. I wish I was there, but it was just a cool moment. And it just, some people are just good people, you know, and it seems like Kucherov is one of those guys. But that's, that's a, that's a moment that that kid will never forget seeing his dad get his accolades. It's just, it's really cool. You know, it's just one of those things that Kucherov didn't have to do it. Went out of his way to probably get this guy's number, call him. He was probably all gunned up and just, it was a spur of the moment thing. And now that's, that's a moment that that dad and that kid will never forget. We're the best player on the planet is calling you after he just had the best playoff series, won the Stanley cup. And he's taking time out of his celebration to say, you're my idol. Thank you. Like that's, that's cool. That's, that's cool. You know, I don't know. And you don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hate the guy. I can't stand him. Did you better not crash me on the street? Do you think he should have won Con Smythe? No. And let me ask you this. Do you think Vasilevsky would have won if he didn't get a shutout in game five? No. Because I think that's the main argument is shutouts in all four elimination games and and, yeah. and go, and five in a row dating back to last year's cup finals. So I think that's just like when you, when you do that, I think you just solidify the argument. I, and yeah, I mean, you can give it to Kucherov. I and mean, honestly, Braden point, like in, in some cup run, what he did is, is good enough for the Consmire too. all those goals that he scored. So um, any of them could have won it, but I, I'm glad the Vasilevsky won. Kucherov will win it next year. I, this team, I'm telling you what, it, yeah. set up for a few more years. Next year, they're great. The year after, they're going to have to juggle some contracts. They need to get out from Yanni Gord or Tyler Johnson. Those will be the two contracts. If they can wiggle out of those two deals and somehow sign points again, that'll be the kind of the, the trickery that their uh, breeze ball, their GM has to deal with. But f- for next year, I think they're set up. They can lose Gaudreau and Coleman and kind of, fill them in with some players who can supplement the, those first two lines. They, they, they're dangerous. So, before we move on um, from like the contracts and stuff, I'm looking at right now, the cap friendly team. And obviously they have some UFAs and Gaudreau and Coleman who were making what a million and a half, something like that. But look at, look at the contracts here. They have obviously the top guys, Kucherov and Stamco is making eight and a half and nine and a half. And then you have the, all these guys in the middle making five and a half, four and a half, six, four point eight, And then you have a huge drop off with Pat Maroon making 900 K. There's no one on the team under contract making a million, two million, three something. It's all 4.4 and then down to 900 K. And it's interesting to like, I don't know. I'd be curious to know when, when there's that much of a drop off and Patrick Maroon, who's so important to this roster and so liked by his teammates, when he's making that much less than everyone else, are they just taking care of him like the whole year? Like, is he, is he spending a dime on dinner or drinks like anywhere when he's with the guys? Well, yeah. How it works? yeah, because he's made his money. Obviously those top guys, they pick up the check sometimes, but it's not like a charity case where you're going out. It's like, Oh, okay, Pat. We'll, 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 we'll take care of you. You're only making 900,000. You've only made almost $12 million in your career. Poor Pat Maroon. We're going to take care. No, like it's not those guys' job to pay for everything. Like it, it's not expected, but 
I'm guessing that they go out, you know, if you go out to dinner, Vasilevsky picks up one, Hedman will pick up another, McDonald will pick up something, but it's it's not like a weekly, daily thing. It's every once in a while. These guys are loaded, Tim. Like they're absolutely flush with money. Stamkos has made almost $100 million in his career. Like it, I know they can pick it up, but just it's just like when you and I went to dinner with Marlo and Vlasic. You know what I mean? Those guys combined have probably made $150 million maybe 200 million. They've made a lot of money in their careers. I picked up the tab. You know, it's a, it's one of those things where it's just like it's you don't you don't expect it. Everybody's got a lot of money. You just do what you feel is right. I would I would feel terrible if someone paid for my dinner every you obviously wouldn't. That's the type of guy that you are. <laughs> I would feel uncomfortable every single okay. time we go out to dinner like Headman's guy got it. I got it. I'm like, "No, Victor, I like, I can handle myself. So I'm sure they do it sometimes, but it's, it's not expected, but I don't think Pat, I don't know. Now we're on a, I don't think Pat Maroon is this very important to this team. Like 900 grand is a perfect number for him. I think he's going to be good. The, the big thing for this team next year, I think Sorelli will take that next step where he's going to be a second line center, maybe even a first line center. And he's really going to play well. And they're, they're just set up. They really are. I don't know how much money they're going to be, you know, over the cap where they might have to juggle it that way. But I like Tampa. They'll be good next year. It'll be exciting. Moving on to another subject, Tim, what do you want to talk about now? Uh, I don't really care. What do you want to talk about? Uh, well, you want to talk about <laughs> Montreal's run? Do you want to do some questions? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to talk about on the hockey side. Like Eichel trade rumors are picking back up. Tarasenko requested a trade. Rumors of Milan Lucci's being bought out and coming back to Boston. Like all these crazy things are being thrown around and we could dive into each of them. But I, I kind of want to save that all for next week and just just and just kind of hang out. Well, David Backus, I've been texting with him back and forth. He's coming on the show next week. Let's save the Tarasenko one for him because I, I would love to get his insight on what Tarasenko's like. He is probably the thickest player I've ever played against in my whole career. Vladimir Tarasenko. I think it's how. Like just his his core, his legs, his body. He's just really? a massive human being. Like he is so incredibly strong. And I would love to get Bacchus's behind the scenes of like if I'm just maybe blowing him up a little bit or if he actually is just like a tank. Because that guy, man, when he was on the ice with Vladimir Sabatka, you could not move him off the puck. Like it, it was insane how strong those two guys were. And Backus wasn't small himself, but compared to those two guys, those guys were just absolute. I played against David Backus in college. You know that? Where did he play? Mankato State University. Huh. And I j- just popped into my head right now. I'm like, I can't believe that. And I, I'm pretty sure it was David Backus. Yeah. I played against him. Never heard of that school. Golf. Mankato State, the Mavericks. Yeah. So he played there. I played against Johnny Taves, who was in North Dakota. I played against Robbie Earl in Wisconsin. Like, it was some good hockey being played. But anyways, let's do some – yeah, see? Man- Minnesota State. Excuse me. not Man- Yeah, that's Mankato. Minnesota State is Mankato. So he played there for a few years. It was good. Let's do some questions, Tim. I know we have some questions left over from the previous episode. I think that'll be fun. We'll close it off. Yeah. One more thing. The overtime goals. Did you see when they scored their overtime goal, the latest game, Montreal? Where? When was it? In, wh- in which game? Game Game four. Uh, like two minutes in? It, it, I'm telling you something. 
I'm going to write a thesis on this and the mental mindset of players coming into the overtime setting. There must be something that goes on because when I was taught as a player in the last five minutes and first five minutes of every period, you better, better, better darn make sure you get the puck out. You play simple because it changes the momentum of every single game. If you get scored on or you score in the last five or first five of every period, because it's such a mental thing. And we saw it in the playoffs when Tampa got outplayed and they score like when the last second, you know, and they go up two to one going into the locker room. Montreal is just deflated. It's such a, a big thing in hockey to just protect yourself in the first three to five minutes. And then at the last three to five minutes, because hockey's a mental. Anyways, I want to dig into that. I want to go through all, I know I've been saying this for months now. I'm probably never going to do it, but it's very interesting, isn't it? Or am I the only guy who thinks no. this is interesting? It is. You just got to go sit down and do the research. I'm so busy. Like I just literally to do this podcast, I've been on the roof all day ripping shingles off because it's supposed to rain all next week. And I want to get it airtight because like my roof has been leaking because of all the rain. And I'm just like, I got to get it done. So I've been on the roof all day. We're doing this podcast. I'm going to go back up on the roof. It's, it's wild stuff. I want to ask David Backus because he's made a ton of coin. And I feel like we should ask players this going forward. This will be a current question. Do you do normal stuff at home or you just like hire it out? You know what I mean? Like, do you cut your grass? Do you, if something breaks in your house, do you fix it? Or you just like hire someone out? I, I get interested in those types of questions because I try to fix everything myself. Not that I'm loaded, but I could maybe hire someone to fix everything. And I am so stubborn and cheap to the point where it actually is a detriment to me where I just end up just making things worse. Like when <laughs> the, the toilet was plugged, I should have just called somebody right away, but I'm dumping chemicals and it just makes it 10 times worse. I'm almost passing out in the bathroom due to the fumes. It is what it is. But anyways, let's, let's, let's ask David Backus that if he's, if he's a normal guy who goes out and mows his grass and shovels his driveway, or if he hires it all out and he's all, you know, taken care of. If you had to guess, which, which is it for Backus specifically? He does his own stuff. He seems like I think he so too. brings the, the lunch pail and he gets to work. You know, that's the type of guy that I think he is. I asked my wife how I knew David Backus because I didn't know. And she said, we met him when we were doing a team rep trip to Mont Tremblant. And we flew on the same plane as him from Minnesota to Montreal. And then we rode in like a car from Montreal to Mont Tremblant with him and his wife and all the other guys from Minnesota. So that's how we know David Beckus. There nice. you go. Yeah. Seemed like a really nice guy. Then we talked about him adopting dogs from Sochi and what yep. that was all about. And it was very, I'm not a big dog guy. So I just didn't care. I was like, that's weird. You're just taking random Russian dogs. Isn't there American dogs, David, that you can save? He said, no, there's not only right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so let's do some questions, Tim, and yeah. uh, we'll close it out. Okay. Uh, Donnie wants to know, have you ever fought a guy then had beers with him after a game? No, never. Why not? I, when I was playing, I did not want to be friends with anybody. It, it was just something where even if I was friends with you, I did not want to see you. I don't know. I don't know how guys can be friendly with somebody and then go out and battle against them. I was never, I never liked that. So when I would change a team, I would just cut off all ties. And I, I would, I wouldn't talk to you. Like when I got dealt from Chicago to the Rangers, we played them two days later 
and I didn't talk to any of them. Like I just, I did not want to be friendly with them. And I went out and I was just murdering guys left and right. I was trying to fight the whole team. So <laughs> I, it, I don't know. And that's, that's the thing that's maybe it might be a problem in the league where everyone trains together. Like we, we are in talks with the beauty league in Minnesota to go out there, do some shows, be there like their podcast of their camp and stuff, because, you know, I obviously am associated with the, with that league and everything all these players are from all these different teams and they get together and they play together and they're good buddies and they, they meet up with each other during the season. They have dinners and stuff like that. I don't know how you can, if you see a guy coming across the middle with his head down, you're like, ah, there's, you know, Jake Gardner. I'm not going to take his head off because we're buddies. It's like that. I, I don't think that's good. I think you should want to kill everyone you play against. That's, that's just, I'm, I'm old school. That's just how I am. You are old school. Um, Okay, you had a few questions, people asking about your day job, what you're doing now besides the podcast. You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I, I work mechanical engineering. So I got my degree at Michigan Tech in mechanical engineering. I got it actually while I was playing. So it's like a four-year degree, but when you play hockey, you know, you, things get in the way, and I didn't finish it after four years, and I had to go back. My wife actually told me, she's like, you need to do this. And luckily she did. So I – um work at a little engineering firm in town called Apollo engineering. Check it out. Very good little company. We just do, you know, HVAC stuff, electrical plumbing, pretty, they call it the redheaded stepchild of engineering because it's just, it's not crazy fun, but it's a necessity that people don't want to pay for, but you have to, like you need to have a building that's heated and cooled and runs, you know, smoothly. So that's what I do. It's fun. Not, not very exciting, but I do it, you know, two to three to four days a week. As you know, Tim, my, my schedule is very flexible as we're taping this. It's a Friday at one o'clock and I, you know, it, it's not too demanding, but it is, it is a great job. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dale wants to know besides the all-star game, what was your best on ice NHL moment? Oh, it, it's tough because as a fighter, it's like, do you pick a fight or do you pick a goal or, or do you pick like a very successful game, like when a playoff game or this and that? I want to say my most memorable on ice. Gosh, probably my goal versus Braden Holpe. That was, I, I knew you were going to say that. It was just <laughs> such a good goal. I was just like, that's, a, it was one of those times, like I surprised myself. I'm like, I can't believe I just scored this goal. And it was pretty legit versus Braden Holpe, who at the time was one of the top goaltenders in the league. So it was a cool moment. Other than that, I feel like my, like my Westgarth fight was one that I really was nervous going into when I absolutely just destroyed him. That was really fun. The George Peros fight was one of my first fights in the league. And I was really nervous. He was one of the heavy guys in the league who, you know, had kind of solidified his status as one of the top guys. And I just worked them and that was fun. But yeah, I think it's the goals. You know, I, I, I enjoyed, I only scored five of them. So all of them, other than my first one was kind of unremarkable. The other, the other ones were pretty, nah, you know what? The only one that was remarkable was the Hopi one. All the other four were just kind of joke. Okay. Last one. Uh, okay. Johnny, okay. Johnny's asking about your hotel, best hotel to stay at. So I'll just say like, what was, what hotel did you get most excited to stay at in what city? Like where, when you, you know, when you're landing, you're like, okay, this is going to be sweet. It's going to be a great night. It was, um, it was Tampa or Florida. Cause we would get the four seasons right on the beach or the Ritz Carlton. And so you overlook the beach. It was just, it was really nice. You had the like open up the doors, the sea air comes in. It was just a good time. You know, it, it was, they had good food. They had, you know, it was just, 
it was a great hotel and it just, the views were incredible. So those were a good one. And then the, the Dallas hotel was really, really swanky. So every time we go to Dallas, there was great steak restaurants. My wife came with me one time. It was actually a lot of fun, but uh, you know, the good thing about being in the NHL, you don't stay at a bad hotel. You're not going to, you know, the red roof Inn. not that the red roof Inn is a bad hotel. Don't get me wrong. Or a La Quinta, but you're staying at the upper echelon of hotels, LA, the, the hotel that they had was right by the rink. It was a Ritz Carlton. It was pretty slick. Like it was a really sweet hotel where just right in the middle of this little entertainment district where you have all these restaurants and you can walk to the rink. It was really cool. I, if again, I recommend if you can make the NHL, you should highly do it because they treat you right. And they really do like all these places that when you go to Philly, they have unbelievable food. You can go in like the restaurants, there are top notch. The hotel is kind of average, but the restaurants are great. You go to Vancouver. The sushi is just incredible. Um, Columbus was kind of a dud. The devils, the Islanders were just, you wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. Winnipeg, they had a nice restaurant, but it's so bitterly cold. It's the windiest city in the world. Did you know that? Winnipeg? I thought Chicago was. No, Chicago's called the Windy Apple, but Winnipeg, windy city. Winnipeg is the windiest city, I think, in North America. It's it's incredible. It just cuts through your bones cuts right through them and there's nowhere to hide there is nowhere to hide in winnipeg so i don't know there you go there you go tim it's a great response question there was a question that i saw that one of our fans um reached out to you it says why is tim so single (laughs) yeah i forgot about that now why yeah go ahead it's a good question uh why do you think i'm so single i think you're too picky but you answer (laughs) yeah yeah probably i just yeah i don't i want to i want the real thing you know i'm not going to settle yeah. When do you think you're going to find the real thing? What age? I'm 30 now. So hopefully in the next year or two. Yeah. But Cause it's going to happen. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Are you going to, are you going to settle at all? Never. Never. I'd rather be alone. Yeah. Because you're perfect. No, I'm just, no, it's, it's, that's, that's why people get divorced is because they settle. No. And then, and they're not happy. Compromise. And, so what's your non-negotiables tim i don't have any i i sounds like you do no you just i don't know it's intangible you just know or you don't and sometimes most people i just you know if i'm not into it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna waste my time wow that's pretty tough what should a girl do if she (laughs) listens to this show if she wants to get in touch with tim uh dms are always open you know, that's how it works into the show's social media account <laughs> that's the only one i have i have a personal twitter too but you're yeah. gonna all right slide into the dropping the gloves dm account if you want to get in touch with tim he is single and ready to mingle and you get you better be perfect you better bring your <laughs> a game yeah you better be because no. tim he, he is he oof. He is a beautiful person. But anyways, Tim, I wanted to rank the series from most entertaining to least entertaining, but we will save that for now. I just, going back to this playoff, I feel like the first round was the most fun. And it just got progressively worse as as the rounds went on. And I don't know why, but we'll, we'll end it with that. Maybe we'll touch on that next week. But it just, I'm kind of glad the hockey season is over. I really am. It was just dragging on. I won my fantasy league running away. It was just wasn't even close. The playoffs were fun. I want to get back to more normal hockey next year where it's normal 
divisions, normal fans of the games. It'll be fun. Just get everything back to normal. Get that cap jumping again so we can get some player movement. It'll be good. We'll touch on Tarasenko. We'll see where he's going. We'll touch on Jack Eichel. Maybe we can get him on the show. That'd be fun. And then we'll, uh, we'll, have a good, we'll have a good week. Tyler Bertuzzi trade rumors are picking up today, too. Saying Tor- uh, Toronto's interested. So Toronto's we'll interested to talk in everybody. About. Everybody. Yeah, Taylor Hall, they want to. Oh, Seth eh, Jones. Not happening. Everybody is linked to Toronto. Everybody and their brother. And, and the funny thing is, nothing's going to happen. Toronto's just going to stand pat. They're going to stay with the same team, and they're going to lose again. They, it's what insane. about goalies, though? Who's their goalie next year? Freddie Anderson is going to – he's asking for over $5 million, so he's going to test the open market. He thinks he's going to get it. I don't know who their goalie is going to be. They should get someone cheap and try to, you know, shore up the D and get some scoring, more scoring, whatever. We'll touch on it another time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I got to go back up on the roof because the roof is on fire, Tim. And there is not a black fly in my Chardonnay anymore, which, no, it's still around. Oh, these flies are terrible. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. We will talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.